Chapter 23, Found Garnet wasted no time, though her mind raced with panic and concern, she calmed those areas and focused on the first aid training she had. Carefully balancing on the log, she reached into the water, unhooking Allie's hood from where it was caught on a broken branch and pulled her out. Amethyst, call 911, now. Amethyst, of course, was already on the phone. Garnet gently placed Allie on the ground and listened for breathing. How long had she been under the water? Long enough, Garnet knew, long enough to possibly drown. She unzipped Allie's coat and pressed her fingers to her neck trying to find a pulse. Tilting the child's head back, she relied on her CPR training to at least keep Allie stable until help arrived. She gave Allie two rescue breaths, then started chest compressions. Oh God! Amethyst whimpered. Allie, I'm not giving up on you. Garnet forced two more breaths into her then continued pushing down on her chest rhythmically. The song, Staying Alive, flowed through her head as she'd been told the beat of this song was perfect to mimic the number of times a person's heart should beat every minute. Allie. From somewhere in the back, Amethyst's voice was thick with emotion. Allie, come back to us. She'd been terrified for only a moment as her foot slipped and she felt herself break through the ice. There was a hard smack on the back of her head, knocking her unconscious before she could even feel the chill of the water. Two hands had reached into the creek, splitting her apart. Out of the corner of her eye, she could see her small form on the ground as Garnet tried breathing life back into her. Allie, still standing on the log, hearing the water rushing beneath her and the forlorn call of some bird in the air, felt warmth around her. Somehow, after such a fright, she felt protected and safe in another's arms. A hand smoothed her hair out. Shoo, it's okay. Allie knew who it was, even before she stared into the face that resembled her own. Mom. Jasper knelt down and put a hand to Allie's cheek. Look at you, it's hard to believe that much time has passed. Am I dead? Not exactly. She looked over Allie's shoulder, noticing Garnet's efforts. Well, kind of, but, it's not final yet. Will you stay with me? Yes. Allie spied her backpack and went to pick it up, but her hand went right through it. I need that though, my doll is in there. Sorry, we're in the same boat, I can't touch it either. Then how come we're standing on a log? Jasper put her hands on her hips and shook her head. Look, I don't know how it all works. What I do know is I'm called back when a family member has died or is dying. I can help lead them where they need to go. But they can't see us. No, but some people might be able to feel our presence even if they can't understand exactly what it is. Allie noticed people in blue uniforms putting her body on a stretcher. She also saw they had cut open her shirt. Hey, that was my favorite. Garnet raced onto the log, retrieved Allie's backpack and joined back up with Amethyst and the rescue personnel. Which one of you is her mother? One of the men asked. She is, Amethyst said, placing a hand gently on Garnet's arm. Excuse me. Jasper put an arm around Allie and pulled her close. Dad is going to marry her. He's marrying Bubblebutt. Yeah. Allie looked up at her mom. Does that make you sad? 
Jasper smiled and shook her head. No, I'm happy for him, but bubble butt, really? Ali snickered, but guessed Garnet did have a rather round butt. She wasn't sure how any of this worked either, but before she knew it, they were in a building with white walls and fluorescent lights. Is this a hospital? I've never been in a hospital before. Um, yes you have, I was there. Of course, you probably don't remember that. Ali took the opportunity to really study what her mom looked like. Much like the pictures she'd seen, not glamorous or overly beautiful, but young and healthy. Her long hair was pulled back in a ponytail with a few loose strands framing her face. She wore an orange tank top with beads on it and jeans. Her skin was still mottled like Ali's was. It doesn't go away. The stripes, I mean. Why would it? There's nothing wrong with how I look, you either. I kind of thought everyone would wear, like, white dresses and stuff in heaven, Ali commented, holding her mom's hand as they walked down the illuminated hallway. Some do, Jasper told her. I prefer a more casual appearance. Do you live in a cloud house? And do you have a flying horse? Not exactly, she said with a laugh. It's hard to describe what it looks like, but it feels like you're surrounded by warmth and love all the time. That sounds nice. They turned a corner and Ali saw everyone gathered in a small room with chairs. Her father was sitting in a chair with his hands clasped, forehead resting on them as if he was praying. Garnet was beside him, holding her doll, staring at it, her face pinched with pain as though she might start crying at any moment, but was putting on a strong front. Her grandparents were nearby, her grandfather's arm around her grandmother as she prayed the rosary. They all look sad. I'm sure they are, I know the pain of losing a child. But you're with my brother now, right? Jasper gave a knowing smile. Brothers, three of them. You and Dad had three kids before me. No, the twins are from, my first husband, yes, let's go with that. You were married before Dad. Is he there too? Oh, heavens no. He's, elsewhere. She pulled Ali's hair behind her head, smoothing it out lovingly. You're my only child who got to live and breathe in this world. Live, she remembered her mother telling her to do just that in the letter she'd written. Her gaze turned as she saw Aunt Amethyst walk into the room and plop down in a chair rubbing her stomach as she rocked back and forth a little. Wait, my sister is having a baby? Ali nodded. It's a girl. Who is the father? Oh, I think God just made a baby grow in her like the Virgin Mary. Jasper roared with laughter. No, that's not, no, I guarantee you, her baby was conceived the same way you were. Allie wasn't sure how that happened exactly, but had no time to ask as a doctor entered the waiting room and called for her family. Her father stood with his arm around Garnet as they listened. We can't be certain how long she was underwater, or how long her brain was deprived of oxygen. We have her on a respirator and her heart is beating normally. So, she's alive? Bismuth asked. We've done everything we can for her, but there's no way to tell what kind of impact this may have had until she wakes up. She may have mild or substantial handicaps either mental or physical. It could be that she doesn't wake up, but... 
remains in a chronic vegetative state. The doctor paused and looked at the chart. However, the water was freezing in cold preserves, plus the fact that she got CPR and other life-saving measures quickly does work in our favor. She's in the pediatric ICU and I can take you to see her. Ali wanted to run up to them and tell them she was right here, that she was okay, but remembered they wouldn't be able to see her. She didn't think one was supposed to feel sadness after death, but then, the doctor had just said she was not completely gone. They walked out with the doctor, heads down, holding onto each other as though their world was collapsing around them. They'd be really sad, she realized if she didn't come back. However, going with her mom would make both of them happy and she could meet her brothers. Maybe there were flying horses in heaven after all. A cry of pain split the air as her head whipped around. Aunt Amethyst was holding her stomach, her face contorted in pain as something wet spread across her leggings, down the vinyl chair and onto the floor. Did she pee her pants? Allie asked. No. While her mother moved to Amethyst's side and her father went to find help, Jasper went over to her sister and knelt down. Even though Amethyst couldn't feel her, or hear her, perhaps her presence would be felt. Ames, you're going to be okay. She placed her hands on Amethyst's stomach. And you, you're going to be just fine. Fuak. Amethyst swore, breathed, and then exclaimed again. Holy shit. Amethyst, her mother snapped. Your baby can hear you. Jasper stood and took Allie's hand again. Good thing she wasn't there when I had you. I'm pretty sure I ran through my entire cursing vocabulary in three. Different languages. Never thought I'd have to scream out son of a bitch in Arabic, but there we were. You said bad words when you had me. Ali, I was prepared to give up a lot of things when I became a mom, cursing was not one of them. Ali saw her grandfather returning with two nurses who immediately began asking her aunt questions. She realized she might never see the baby if she went with her mom and she'd never get to hug Aunt Amethyst again. Would she miss them? Or would she be so happy to be with her mom and brothers that she wouldn't even think of them? That almost sounded worse. Can we see Dad in Garnet? Of course. They didn't really run, but it wasn't quite flying either. They glided through the halls, being guided by a strong force pulling them towards Bismuth, Garnet and Ali's physical form. They were able to pass through the sliding glass door and stare at the figure on the bed. Ali didn't understand what all the machines did, but knew they were helping keep her body alive in case she decided to come back. Garnet was holding her hand, gently rubbing her fingers with her thumb. Mary lay by her side, her eyes wide open, expectantly waiting for her owner to wake up and play with her. Bismuth sat in a chair, hands clasped, praying out loud. I'll do whatever you want, God, I'll, I'll volunteer more helping poor people, I'll give money to charity, I'll pray more, read the Bible, I'll go to church every Sunday. Yeah, I'll give that a month. Jasper said under her breath. Okay, that's a lie, Bismuth admitted. But, I'll be the best father ever, I'll give Allie all the love and attention she wants, I'll be there for her through anything. And everything. Please, God, she's so precious, so young, I know you need angels, but she's my baby girl, you called her mother home giving her to me, please don't take her too. 
Ali's eyes were on Garnet who had silent tears rolling down her cheeks. Garnet hadn't even known her long, but she tried to give her life back. She had breathed for Ali when her lungs were filled with water. And here she was, ever vigilant, waiting for Ali to open her eyes. And on this side, was her mother, Ali was very aware of the warmth of her hand, the smell of her hair, the bright color of her top and the markings on her body that reminded Ali of her own. You're my actual mother, though. Come here, Ali. Jasper sat in an empty chair and pulled her daughter onto her lap. Have you ever heard of King Solomon? When Ali shook her head, her mother continued. He was a wise ruler a long time ago and helped solve problems in his kingdom. One day, two women came to him with a baby and both claimed to be the child's mother. King Solomon said the fairest way to settle the dispute was to split the child in half. One of the women said, that sounds fair. Her voice caught in her throat. The other one said, no, give the child to her because I can't bear to see her hurt. King Solomon knew the woman willing to give her child away was the true mother. So, if you want to be her daughter too, I'll let you go. And I'll see you again someday. Yes, someday when you've grown old and you pass away safe and warm in your sleep, I'll be there to take you home. Ali wrapped her arms around her mother and allowed Jasper to carry her to the bed. She sat on the edge for a moment, still holding her mom's hand. Jasper's other hand rested on Garnet's. You take care of her, just like I would. Garnet took a breath and whispered, I will. Can she hear you? Some people feel the presence stronger than others, she must sense. Jasper smiled. Ali, you're going to be just fine. Ali's hand had felt so cold and lifeless for hours. Garnet couldn't find words for a prayer, but she expected God knew what was in her heart. How was it possible she hadn't known Ali for very long and already she loved her as though she'd love her own child? The thought of losing her was unbearable. She tried to think of her going to the arms of her mother, but even that was not comforting. The thought that she'd never grow up, never have a first crush or drive a car or go to college or have a career. She would never know love like Garnet knew with Bismuth. She'd never have children. It was when she was deepest in despair that she felt a presence in the room, something soothing and comforting she couldn't quite name. Her hand felt warm and tingly the way it would when her mother would cover it with hers to try and ease her troubles. She wasn't sure how the thought came to mind, but it was there all the same. You take care of her, just like I would. That grip of sorrow on her heart, which had moments earlier felt vice-like, lifted and she squeezed Allie's hand. I will. A few seconds passed and ever so slowly, Allie's fingers curled around hers, lightly at first, then stronger. Allie. An alarm started going off from one of the machines and her heart sank again as ice settled in her stomach. Bismuth put a hand on her head. Oh, God. Two nurses and a doctor rushed in. The doctor pushed a few buttons on the respirator. She's fighting the vent. What exactly does that mean? Garnet asked. She's trying to breathe on her own. This is a good sign. He unhooked the respirator and waited for Allie to take a few breaths before sliding the tube from her throat. Hearing her gasp and cough was the greatest sound Garnet could ever imagine. Her eyes fluttered open and she looked around. Mom. Allie. 
Bismuth smoothed back her hair. Do you remember what happened? She coughed a little and replied in a raspy voice. I fell in the ice. She started sobbing. I'm sorry, I just didn't want to leave our home. It's true we have to leave the house, Allie, but wherever we're together is where we'll make our home, Bismuth told her as moisture sprung to his eyes. And it wouldn't be home without you, Garnet added. We love you so much. I love you too, Mom. What, Allie, I? I have my mom who gave me life and told me to live it and when I stopped breathing, you helped give me life back so, you're my mom, too, if that's okay with you. Garnet hugged her tightly. Could the presence she felt have actually been Jasper? Was it not just a thought that went through her head, but the passing of Allie from one mom to another? She felt fresh tears roll down her cheeks, but these were different as love and joy found their way into that moment. Yes, it's okay with me. The first thing he did, once Allie was settled and feeling much better, was to track down the chapel on the first floor of the hospital to say a prayer of thanks followed by one of protection for Amethyst. Her father had come by Allie's room a few hours ago to tell them Amethyst had gone into labor. What a time for everything to happen. Bismuth figured he should go up to the maternity ward to let them know Allie was going to be okay and see how Amethyst was doing. No sooner had he walked into the elevator, when someone called for him to hold the door and he was quickly joined by a young man in a suit who appeared extremely panicked. Let me guess, maternity ward. How did you know? Been there. Bismuth pressed the button for the sixth floor. You're first, right? Yes. Actually, now looking at him, the man was younger than Bismuth but probably in his late twenties. He had a short, neatly trimmed beard and wore a prayer cap Bismuth was familiar with having been in the Middle East so often. It almost seemed as though he recognized him, but shook his head of the thought. He'd run into people in the past with faces he'd sworn he'd seen before but who claimed they'd never met. If he was from here, it was very possible their paths had crossed in town at some point. Boy or girl? A girl. Congrats to you and your wife. She is not my wife. Was it his imagination or was this man actually taking care not to look at him? My mistake. They walked the same way for a bit, until Bismuth stopped at the waiting area where Amethyst's father was sitting. How is Allie? She's awake and as far as we can tell, she'll make a full recovery. Thank God. The other man breathed. You can't imagine how many times I have. They're keeping her for a few days for observation, but I have a feeling she's already back to her old self. She was asking for food when I left, specifically a hamburger and fries. How is Ames? Getting close last I heard. He tapped his fingers together. I can't help but worry. Bismuth nodded. I understand. He had the same worries as well. He loved Amethyst as a sister and no amount of trying to comfort his mind with the fact that complications during childbirth were rare and not often fatal did very little to push the concern away. They both knew full well that even if the baby was delivered healthy, problems could arise hours later. She said she contacted the father, but I don't know exactly who he is or what he looks like. Amethyst's dad leaned back in his chair. I have half a mind to strangle him for knocking her up and not doing right by her. It's, modern society, 
Bismuth said with a shrug. Just because they were together once doesn't mean they're going to have a happily ever after. We should be thankful that at least he's willing to step up and help in some way. She hasn't even told us his name, the only thing I know is that he's Muslim. His fist clenched. And she claims he didn't force her but if I ever find out otherwise. Knowing Amethyst, I think she would have come forward about that. I believe that they were together willingly. It's just, after Jasper, after what they put her through. Bismuth shook his head. I've been over there. Most Muslims don't think the way the terrorists do, in fact the majority of them can't stand terrorist groups because they make the rest of them, the good ones, look bad. Chances are, he's a decent person, he may have even been born here. There was a strong possibility it was the man from the elevator and Bismuth was certain he'd seen him before, however, he couldn't pinpoint where or when their paths had crossed. As they sat waiting for news, he let his mind wander to a time when, in all his gear, they followed behind a group of marines in a secret passage. It couldn't be. They were being guided by a young man, still a kid really, with hardly a shadow of a beard, a teenager who, if he were raised elsewhere, might be caring more about video games and cars and girls, not leading American troops through a dangerous mission to liberate a terrorist prison. He wouldn't be risking his life working against the people he was supposed to be working for. But it just couldn't be, that was nearly ten years ago and thousands of miles away. What were the chances of them running into each other here? Not only in this country or state or city, but what force brought them together on an elevator in the same hospital? A baby, it dawned on him, he was the father of Amethyst's baby. No, that was ridiculous, but the pieces he knew all seemed to fit. Had Amethyst known when she'd slept with him? Had he known she was related to Jasper? Did he even remember Jasper? Bismuth couldn't imagine anyone forgetting her, but this man had known her for only two months out of his life, which, unfortunately, were the worst two months of hers. It seemed Amethyst's parents didn't know, but it wouldn't be long until they, too, figured it out. Bismuth could only imagine their reaction. Amethyst had claimed this man had changed his ways and was not involved with things of the past, but was this accurate? Bismuth was going to have to find a way to speak to him later. As soon as they'd gotten her settled into the room, she'd texted Tubaz to let him know and almost immediately got a text back that he was on his way. Though, it was a three-hour train ride from Empire City and she couldn't be sure of which train he would manage to catch. Her OB arrived quickly and assessed how close she was. You must have been in labor for a while even before your water broke. My back was killing me all night. Her doctor nodded. Well, it's not too late for an epidural if you still plan to go that route. Hell yes, she said, then cried out as her stomach contracted painfully. How did her mother and Jasper stand this pain? Why would anyone not choose an epidural? As nervous as she was having a needle go into her spine, she didn't feel it so much as the shock which traveled down both her legs, then it was done and within a short time, her legs felt heavy and weird as if they had fallen asleep. What if I pee myself? That's why we put in a catheter, the nurse told her. Amethyst hadn't even felt that. Contractions were an odd sensation of her muscles tightening without any pain. She was able to fall into a fitful sleep, but concerns about Ali were still fresh in her mind. 
Her mother blotted her forehead with a damp cloth and fed her some ice chips. The doctors are doing all they can for Allie. You need to concentrate on your own daughter. It was shortly after the doctor told her she was at 9 centimeters and could soon start pushing when she reached 10 that Tubaz arrived. Did you have to leave work? Amethyst asked. Don't worry about it. They understood. Are you in pain? No, they've got that under control. Her mother extended her hand to him and introduced herself. He said his full name so fast even Amethyst couldn't tell what he was saying and she knew what it was. I'm sorry, her mother said. One more time. My name is Tubaz Fayed. Tubaz. Her mother repeated. Is that a common name where you're from? Not incredibly common, but I can't imagine I'm the only person with that name. Amethyst interjected. Mom, more pressing matters. She pointed to her stomach. Of course. Do you want me to leave now that he's here? Her muscles tightened and she was starting to feel a strange pressure moving downward. No, you can stay. You didn't get to see Ali be born. Her mom's brows knitted together. I know where I know that name from. Mom, not now. You knew our Jasper, didn't you? Tubaz looked away, clearly nervous. Our paths crossed once. Mom, no negativity around my baby. What negativity, Amethyst? This is your sister's friend, the one who saved her. Amethyst was shocked, this was not the reaction she was expecting. You, you're not mad. Why would I be? I read the same journal you did, she said, repeating something Amethyst had said to her a few months ago. He negotiated with that awful man to keep her as safe as possible. He brought her words of comfort when she was hurting. He guided the soldiers to her and helped save her life. Yeah, I'm not sure Dad's going to see it that way. Oh, pfft. I won't let him be angry at the person who helped give us three more years with her. She turned to Tubaz. My daughter prayed for God to help her and you were the angel he sent. Thank you. Tubaz gave a light laugh. I'm not sure I'd say it quite that way. I only did what was right. She was a person, a human being, just like me, who needed help, so I did what any good person would do. I helped them all. Amethyst sucked in a deep breath, feeling another contraction and the overwhelming need to push. It was weird as there was still no pain, but her baby seemed intent on continuing to make her way into the world. Her doctor checked again, confirmed she was dilated enough to push and don gloves to help. Do you want to watch? No, she said, noticing the mirror on the ceiling turned away. Dad? You want to watch? What? Who? Me? Tubaz asked with a tinge of panic. Uh, no, I'm I'm good. The doctor chuckled. Okay, next contraction, I want you to push. Usually, with an epidural, this part goes quickly. Thank God, Amethyst thought. Even without pain, exhaustion had crept in and beads of sweat had appeared on her forehead again. It was still taking a toll on her body. She'd read somewhere labor was as intense as running a marathon. She thought about the mud run and decided she indeed felt about as tired as she had after that, but that had been a five-kilometer run and the hardest part of labor was still ahead of her. 
Though pain was not an issue, she could feel everything else, the squeeze of her muscles, the separation of her hips and her baby slowly making her way downward toward the world. I can see the head. Two more big pushes, Amethyst. You're almost there. Her mom had a grip on her right hand while Tobaz squeezed her left. Amethyst took a deep breath and exhaled as a sense of peace descended on her. Her sister's voice found its way into her mind, let's do this. Let's do this. Amethyst repeated before the next contraction caused her to bear down. Crystal Star Pawamo was born at 4.36 p.m. Her cry was gurgled at first until her mouth and nose were suctioned out and then it was strong and beautiful to her mother. Mother, Amethyst couldn't stop the tears coming to her eyes. She was a mother now, she realized as her daughter was handed to her after being cleaned and wrapped in a blanket. Her cheeks were chubby, her nose tiny and her mouth perfectly shaped like a bow, reminding Amethyst that she was a gift. She didn't have much hair but the wispy bit that was on her head was dark. Whereas, she knew Jasper had spoken to her daughter, Amethyst had no words. She had brought a human being into the world, a whole person who hadn't been here the day before. Oh, Amethyst, she's beautiful, her mother said. Tubaz reached out and gently stroked her cheek with his thumb. Amethyst looked at him. Do you want to hold her? I'm not sure, I've never held a baby. Well, you'd better get started because you'll have to do it a lot, Amethyst's mother said. She helped transfer Crystal to him. Hold her head. She's so fragile. He commented. They're more resilient than you think, but don't worry, you won't drop her. It was as he held her, studying her features that he smiled for the first time, a genuine smile rather than a nervous one. Just like Amethyst at first, he had no words for how beautiful and perfect she was. She's a treasure, isn't she? Amethyst asked. I never want to let her go. However, he kissed her forehead and handed her back to her mother. And there they were with no thought of differences in their minds. In that moment, they were simply two people both adoring the tiny person they'd created and silently promising to care for her, protect her and love her. As soon as they'd gotten her settled into the room, she'd texted Tubaz to let him know and almost immediately got a text back that he was on his way. Though, it was a three-hour train ride from Empire City and she couldn't be sure of which train he would manage to catch. Her OB arrived quickly and assessed how close she was. You must have been in labor for a while even before your water broke. My back was killing me all night. Her doctor nodded. Well, it's not too late for an epidural if you still plan to go that route. Hell yes, she said, then cried out as her stomach contracted painfully. How did her mother and Jasper stand this pain? Why would anyone not choose an epidural? As nervous as she was having a needle go into her spine, she didn't feel it so much as the shock which traveled down both her legs, then it was done and within a short time, her legs felt heavy and weird as if they had fallen asleep. What if I pee myself? That's why we put in a catheter, the nurse told her. Amethyst hadn't even felt that. Contractions were an odd sensation of her muscles tightening without any pain. She was able to fall into a fitful sleep, but concerns about Ali were still fresh in her mind. Her mother blotted her forehead with a damp cloth and fed her some ice chips. 
The doctors are doing all they can for Ali. You need to concentrate on your own daughter. It was shortly after the doctor told her she was at 9 centimeters and could soon start pushing when she reached 10 that Tubaz arrived. Did you have to leave work? Amethyst asked. Don't worry about it. They understood. Are you in pain? No, they've got that under control. Her mother extended her hand to him and introduced herself. He said his full name so fast even Amethyst couldn't tell what he was saying and she knew what it was. I'm sorry, her mother said. One more time. My name is Tubaz Fayed. Tubaz. Her mother repeated. Is that a common name where you're from? Not incredibly common, but I can't imagine I'm the only person with that name. Amethyst interjected. Mom, more pressing matters. She pointed to her stomach. Of course. Do you want me to leave now that he's here? Her muscles tightened and she was starting to feel a strange pressure moving downward. No, you can stay. You didn't get to see Ali be born. Her mom's brows knitted together. I know where I know that name from. Mom, not now. You knew our Jasper, didn't you? Tubaz looked away, clearly nervous. Our paths crossed once. Mom, no negativity around my baby. What negativity, Amethyst? This is your sister's friend, the one who saved her. Amethyst was shocked, this was not the reaction she was expecting. You, you're not mad. Why would I be? I read the same journal you did, she said, repeating something Amethyst had said to her a few months ago. He negotiated with that awful man to keep her as safe as possible. He brought her words of comfort when she was hurting. He guided the soldiers to her and helped save her life. Yeah, I'm not sure Dad's going to see it that way. Oh, pfft. I won't let him be angry at the person who helped give us three more years with her. She turned to Tubaz. My daughter prayed for God to help her and you were the angel he sent. Thank you. Tubaz gave a light laugh. I'm not sure I'd say it quite that way. I only did what was right. She was a person, a human being, just like me, who needed help, so I did what any good person would do. I helped them all. Amethyst sucked in a deep breath, feeling another contraction and the overwhelming need to push. It was weird as there was still no pain, but her baby seemed intent on continuing to make her way into the world. Her doctor checked again, confirmed she was dilated enough to push and donned gloves to help. Do you want to watch? No, she said, noticing the mirror on the ceiling turned away. Dad? You want to watch? What? Who? Me? Tubaz asked with a tinge of panic. Uh, no, I'm I am good. The doctor chuckled. Okay, next contraction, I want you to push. Usually, with an epidural, this part goes quickly. Thank God, Amethyst thought. Even without pain, exhaustion had crept in and beads of sweat had appeared on her forehead again. It was still taking a toll on her body. She'd read somewhere labor was as intense as running a marathon. She thought about the mud run and decided she indeed felt about as tired as she had after that, but that had been a five-kilometer run and the hardest part of labor was still ahead of her. Though pain was not an issue, she could feel everything else, 
the squeeze of her muscles, the separation of her hips and her baby slowly making her way downward toward the world. I can see the head. Two more big pushes, Amethyst. You're almost there. Her mom had a grip on her right hand while Tobaz squeezed her left. Amethyst took a deep breath and exhaled as a sense of peace descended on her. Her sister's voice found its way into her mind, let's do this. Let's do this. Amethyst repeated before the next contraction caused her to bear down. Crystal Star Paoamo was born at 4.36 p.m. Her cry was gurgled at first until her mouth and nose were suctioned out and then it was strong and beautiful to her mother. Mother, Amethyst couldn't stop the tears coming to her eyes. She was a mother now, she realized as her daughter was handed to her after being cleaned and wrapped in a blanket. Her cheeks were chubby, her nose tiny and her mouth perfectly shaped like a bow, reminding Amethyst that she was a gift. She didn't have much hair but the wispy bit that was on her head was dark. Whereas, she knew Jasper had spoken to her daughter, Amethyst had no words. She had brought a human being into the world, a whole person who hadn't been here the day before. Oh, Amethyst, she's beautiful, her mother said. Tubaz reached out and gently stroked her cheek with his thumb. Amethyst looked at him. Do you want to hold her? I'm not sure, I've never held a baby. Well, you'd better get started because you'll have to do it a lot, Amethyst's mother said. She helped transfer Crystal to him. Hold her head. She's so fragile. He commented. They're more resilient than you think, but don't worry, you won't drop her. It was as he held her, studying her features that he smiled for the first time, a genuine smile rather than a nervous one. Just like Amethyst at first, he had no words for how beautiful and perfect she was. She's a treasure, isn't she? Amethyst asked. I never want to let her go. However, he kissed her forehead and handed her back to her mother. And there they were with no thought of differences in their minds. In that moment, they were simply two people both adoring the tiny person they'd created and silently promising to care for her, protect her and love her. Ten years earlier. It was not often Akram left the prison, but this night he had to leave for some reason even Tubaz was not privy to, and he was taking Kawartaz for protection. Ah, Jamila, I am going to miss your company tonight. I will not miss you. I hope you die out there, she responded, however, Tubaz translated it as, I already miss you before you are even gone. Akram touched her cheek, his thumb grazing against the small area of skin not covered by her veil. Should I lay with you quickly before I go? Jamila made her voice breathy, looking at him with those bedroom eyes to hide her hate. I would rather gouge my eyes out with my own fingers. It was interpreted, go, the sooner you return I can give you twice the pleasure tomorrow. He kissed her cheek and then left with the guard she detested. She sat on the bed and heaved a sigh of relief that for the first time in weeks, she was not going to have to be with him. Tubaz returned for her later that night, rousing her from sleep. He knew now that she was not under the watchful eye of Arkham or Kawartha's, he could give her a small taste of the one thing she craved. Come with me. Hesitantly, Jamila sat on the edge of the bed and put her shoes on, then let him tie her hands behind her back. Do you trust me? Tubaz asked. Why yes, she whispered. 
He told the guard he was taking her to be tortured, but once they had reached the end of the hallway, he turned and opened a door to a storage closet. Once inside, he closed the door, turned on a flashlight and pulled a shelf away from the wall revealing a false area that opened to reveal a secret tunnel. Is this for guards or prisoners? Her voice was shaky. Maybe both. I don't even think Akram knows about it. He untied her and took her hand, leading her through the entrance and closed it behind them. I could take you out. I could kill you down here with my bare hands and no one would know, she stated bluntly. But you won't. Come on. They walked through the passage maybe half a mile or three quarters before coming to a stop with a ladder leading up to somewhere. Tubaz went first, pushing open a portion of the ceiling, careful to look down so sand didn't get in his eyes, then climbed up through the rectangular exit. She had trouble climbing in her abaya, but managed to pull herself up and out into the desert, despite him offering his hand. I got this. The prison was visible in the distance, but they were far enough away so they would not be seen. Tubaz caught his breath and took in the dunes illuminated and shaded in shadows as the moonlight covered them and disappeared behind them. Where are we? Outside. Your base is that way, to the east. He pointed. But, the marine base is a little closer to the south. How do you know I won't just run off? You wouldn't go without your men. Her eyes narrowing was all he could see, but he heard Jamila sigh and her head nodded slightly. I can't abandon them. But, if you were to free them, you now know how to get out. Tubaz smiled. You have five minutes. Five minutes of what? He gestured to the surrounding desert, devoid of walls that would keep them in. Freedom. You can do whatever you like, pray, dance, look up and enjoy the beauty of the universe. Freedom. Jamila removed her veil and the gloves, her boots and undid her hair, letting flow free down her back. She stood there on the summer night, looking at the moon for a moment, the stars, the vastness outside of her prison. She took a few tentative steps across the sand, her bare feet sinking in. Freedom is such a big concept. It is, what you fight for, isn't it, Jamila? She looked back at him, her eyes reflecting amber tones in the light. In freedom, my name is Jasper. Jasper turned on the ball of her foot and smiled as she held her abaya a few inches from the ground and danced a few steps to whatever song was playing in her head. Now, that might be too liberating. I can see a lot of ankles. He teased. We get it almost every night. She sang, when that old moon gets a big and bright. It's a supernatural delight, everybody's dancing, in the moonlight. She laughed. Do you know that song? Tubaz shook his head. But it sounds appropriate. Come on, dance with me. Jasper grabbed his hands and they spun around under the stars while she sang. Everybody's dancing, in the moonlight. Everybody's feeling warm and right. It's such a fine and natural sight. Everybody's dancing, in the moonlight. When he was too dizzy to continue, she danced on her own, switching to a song about walking on sunshine. He watched her, her hair fanning out behind her, the scarf fluttering in her hands and her mouth open with laughter for the first time since she had been brought here. This was what unbridled freedom looked like, this was what she missed. The chance to sing, dance, 
be herself, be Jasper. He let her have an extra two minutes, before gently touching her arm and breaking the news that she had to return to the prison where she'd already been for 37 days and where she would remain until she could escape or be rescued, which turned out to be another 28 days. As they returned to the compound and walked through the hall, she kept her head down as though she may have indeed been tortured, but Tubaz was certain she was smiling behind her veil. He showed her into the small room again and before he left, she grabbed his hand, moisture visible in her eyes. She whispered, Thank you, my friend. Present day. And that's the night I decided I would risk my life for her freedom, Tubaz told his daughter, who could not hear him since she was soundly sleeping. Freedom, it was something Crystal would grow up with. He knew too well she could have been born anywhere, but here she was. She would be able to dance, shout, sing, pray, to whichever god she chose. She could get an education, she might join the military, she could wear what she wanted, well, within reason, he figured he'd have a problem if she wanted to step out in her underwear. He looked at Amethyst's purple hair, Crystal could wear hers how she wanted, natural or colored, covered with a hijab or flowing freely. Freedom meant possibility. Her aunt had fought for it and now it was all Crystal would know. Chapter 24, Anchor He didn't leave Ali's side during the night, but early in the morning, he kissed her forehead and stepped outside for some fresh air. She was sleeping soundly, with no ill effects from her accident. Garnet was still watching her, but he definitely needed to stretch and get out of that cramped room for a few moments. His sigh of relief was visible in the cool air. Light snow covered the layer that had already been on the ground the day before and he heard it crunch under someone's feet behind him. Bismuth turned to see Tubaz standing there. What do you want? To tell you I never hurt her. Jasper or Amethyst? Neither. I understand seeing myself might be a shock, but... A shock. The last time I saw you, I was scooping Jasper up off the damn floor and I didn't know whether she would survive. I gave her the knife, I gave her the best chance for survival. I also recall telling you I'd kill you if I ever saw you again. Technically, you said you'd only do that if our paths crossed there. You told me to get out and I did. So what? You're going to be around Amethyst, around her family, perhaps her mother is on your side, but her father wants to strangle you, Bismuth told him plainly. No, I live in Empire City, Tubaz informed him. Amethyst and I will share custody, but she will bring the baby to me. I realized it wasn't likely I'd be. Welcomed by everyone. I like to think if Jasper were here perhaps, maybe she'd speak for me. Bismuth shook his head. Not likely. What happened to her there, it haunted her for a long time. I don't doubt it. I often had to turn my head away when, when they did what they did to her. And that's what you did, you turned away. You called yourself her friend and you chose to turn away. You are just as guilty as the others. Had I tried to stop him, he only would have hurt her worse. He looked down as though thinking of what to say next. I don't deny my involvement, I was young, desperate, but I learned from it. I learned I wanted to help people and I do. Through my work I get people out of situations like Jasper was in. Is it so hard to believe that a young person can make a mistake, or several, even big ones, and turn their life around later? 
and Bismuth had to reflect on his own past. Sure, he'd never been involved in terrorism, but he did know a lot about mistakes. Had he even been right about Jasper not wanting to see him? He recalled one night when they were discussing it and he had commented they all deserved to burn in hell. She'd replied, not all of them, Tubaz was a good friend. And he'd turned to her in astonishment and told her to get rid of notions like that. The government had tried to heal her mind of their meddling. Trust me, I know what's real and what isn't, she'd said. She hadn't elaborated, but he could tell she still thought it was a friendship. Perhaps she didn't like reminders, but upon seeing the person who had helped her through that difficult time would she truly have refused to meet with him, or embraced and thanked him? Jasper had been a mystery, there was no way to tell. What Bismuth did know, however, was that it was entirely possible to turn one's life around as he had done himself. He also knew without Tubaz's help all those years ago, his precious Ali wouldn't be here now. It was unlikely their paths would cross again. Perhaps Tubaz was a good person now, but though Bismuth could finally release any anger and forgive his past transgressions, he still had no desire to keep in touch or any such thing. You should get out of here before her father shows up. He never got over Akram labeling his daughter a whore. Upon seeing Tubaz's confused look. The word he carved in her skin. That's what she thought it meant. She said you looked away sadly and nodded, that Akram always called her a whore. She misunderstood. I looked away because she was naked. He did that as punishment, that much is true, but the word he scratched into her never meant whore. It was the name he gave her, Jamila. It meant beautiful, dot. Bismuth was silent for a few moments. In his mind, he remembered the first time he'd seen her with her top off, his fingers tracing the intricate design marking her as a warrior. It was artfully done, but if he looked close enough, he could almost see lines that didn't quite belong. Would she have covered it up if she knew what the foreign script read as? He recalled looking up at Jasper, her eyelids half-closed and a serene smile on her face, her head leaning back as she gave him complete trust to move his hand down past her tattoo. Well, she was that. Tubaz nodded. I rarely saw more than her eyes, but I'll never forget them. I'll never forget her. He gave a kind smile and turned to walk toward the street for a taxi. Bismuth shivered as he returned to the warmth of the hospital and went back to Ali's room. She was sitting up, awake and beamed a smile at him. They said I can have whatever I want for breakfast. They have pancakes. Yeah, just like Jasper, who had told Bismuth she wanted sushi from her favorite restaurant as soon as she was done giving birth. He'd laughed and told her the mother of his child could have whatever she wanted. Bismuth sat back down next to Ali's bed and squeezed her shoulder. Is that okay, Dad? Ali asked, her eyes sparkling in anticipation of fluffy pancakes covered with syrup. He smiled, noticing the color and shape of her eyes, the same as Jasper's, he'd never forget her eyes either. You can have whatever you want. Early February was already warm on the coast, so it was not too uncomfortable as they stood near the dock surrounded by other sailors and their families. It was goodbye for what seemed like a long nine-month stretch ahead of them. It'll go by fast, Peridot told her girlfriend. I'm still going to miss you. Me too. What about me? Pearl asked. 
Peridot laughed. Yes, I will miss you too. But I'll have email and I might be able to call at times depending on where we are. She actually couldn't say exactly where the ship would be when they arrived at their final destination. Okay, well, if you end up in Thailand, tell us what goes on there, Pearl said with a wink. Eh, maybe. Peridot was bad at goodbyes. She wished she could see Amethyst in person but had been fortunate to video chat with her online the night before and see her baby. Still, she was absolutely certain this was the path she was meant to take as she stood there in her dress whites. We need the military. She'd once said these words to Amethyst. They're very important. What Jasper is doing is important. Do it. Fucking do it, no balls. Jasper's voice said in her mind. She was doing it, she was doing something important. It meant sacrifice and hardship, but she didn't mind. Her last job had been just about her, this was about something so much bigger than one individual person. If she played her cards right, she'd have a rewarding 20-year career before retiring and then, well, who knew? The time was nearing, she knew, as some of the sailors around her were heading toward the ship. I should probably make this quick and go. Pearl hugged her first, rubbing her back encouragingly. Peridot smiled when she pulled away. Hey, if you need to talk to anyone about having a sister in the service, you know how to contact Amethyst. Lapis was next and that was a long hug and a passionate kiss. Glad they lifted that don't ask, don't tell policy. Peridot held her hands, grateful to live in a country where she was free to love whom she wanted. I'm going to miss you so much. The sooner you go, the sooner you'll be back. Lapis gave a sad smile. I'm afraid it doesn't really work that way. She squeezed Lapis' hands and kissed her again. Lapis' eyes were glistening with tears and if Peridot didn't do. This quickly, it would only make it harder. You take care of yourself. I'll see you in the fall. One more kiss and Peridot squeezed Lapis' hand briefly before letting go and disappearing into the sea of white uniforms. Lapis knew the sorrow she felt seeing her girlfriend leave would be replaced by joy when she returned. Pearl put an arm around her and in that moment, she knew she was not alone, she'd endure this. She had friends, support, and her own inner strength. Lapis took a deep breath knowing she'd be okay facing this as she'd been facing everything the past few months, one day at a time. Amethyst wanted to run and answer the doorbell when it rang, but she was holding Crystal who had finally fallen asleep. As soon as her mother opened the door, Allie bolted in and ran right up to her aunt. Hi Aunt Ames. Hi Crystal. Crystal, thankfully, only stirred a bit but didn't wake up. You guys on your way? Amethyst asked. Allie looked down at the floor and nodded. Mum and Dad said we could come say goodbye. They'd settled on Allie calling Garnet, Mum, using the British pronunciation for her and the American, Mom, for Jasper. Oh, Allie, you know better than that. We don't say goodbye. Amethyst reached out and stroked her cheek. We'll see each other again. You're not going to war either, you're going on an adventure. Her mother took Crystal while she finally stood and approached Bismuth and Garnet. I can't believe this is really happening. It feels like I've known both of you for so long.
she caught a glimpse of their wedding bands. They'd been married in a small ceremony the week before at a tiny chapel. Garnet had looked like a fantasy bride in a fitted, white halter dress and a flower in her hair. After what had happened with Allie, it reminded them how fleeting life was and they didn't want to waste time. Amethyst had attended and caught Garnet's bouquet, though, she suspected Garnet threw it directly at her and Allie was the only other single girl there. Amethyst wasn't sure she'd ever get married, but just in case, the flowers were hanging upside down in the garage to dry. She hugged them each in turn, feeling like with this change, this great moving on in her life, she was finally letting go of her sister. It was going to be a long time before she saw any of them again and she wasn't quite sure what to say. She felt like crying, she even swore Garnet's eyes looked bright with moisture. Allie was by a shelf looking at a picture of Jasper. Hey dad, did mom really call mom bubble butt? Bubble butt? Garnet asked, shooting bismuth a look indicating this was the first she'd heard of this. And instead of crying, they were laughing, even Bismuth who shook his head. Ali, where did you hear that? Mom told me, she said simply, her fingers running along the frame of the picture. I got you a gift, Ali. Amethyst told her, handing her a wrapped package. Open it later. She gave the little girl another hug. I'll miss you, but I'll see you again. I'll see you again, Aunt Ames. Ali hugged Mary and the gift to her willing herself not to cry. Surely her mother never cried when she was going on an adventure. She looked at her father's hand and put on a brave face as the familiar door closed behind her, sealing off what was once comfortable and small. She remembered whose daughter she was. There was a big world out there and she was going to conquer it. Allie waited until they had driven away. Her father had tuned the radio to a station playing a rap song and started singing along while Mum shook her head and put on headphones. Ali supposed now was later, so she tore the wrapping paper off the gift revealing a My Little Pony journal and a matching pen. She opened it and uncapped the pen. Dad, what day is it? February 6th. February 6th, today I moved to Emerald City. Chapter 25, Epilogue. Twenty years later. Allie sighed as she watched her husband out on the ranch and waved from the window. She missed horseback riding, but she still had two weeks of maternity leave left and strict instructions not to do any kind of activity that would hurt her in that area. Two more weeks then she would be back at the clinic doing what she loved. She smiled as she recalled her father telling people, my daughter is a vet. Oh, she was in the service, too, they'd ask. No, the other kind. A cold, wet nose nuzzled her hand and she stroked the soft fur of her golden retriever's ears. How are you doing, Rex? It was times like these, she supposed, people recalled their lives, took inventory, remembered key moments. She'd been born upstate from Empire City, moved to Emerald City when she was six where they stayed for three years, that's where her sister had been adopted then to Germany for another three years, which had been awesome because they'd taken the opportunity to travel. Europe Finally, the army assigned her dad to Texas and that was where she'd spent her teen years, where he'd retired a few years later. It was where she rediscovered a love of horseback riding, of animals, where she'd gone to school, met her husband, she was thankful her father was there to walk her down the aisle. 
she'd wasted no time in getting pregnant. Her father had laughed, stating, your mother was good at that too. He hadn't lived to see his grandchild. Almost, he almost made it, but the cancer spread so quickly, transforming him into a shadow of the strong man she'd grown up admiring. She remembered sitting with him the night he'd passed. He'd used his waning strength to stroke her cheek, hardly whispering the words, baby girl. He had died how he'd lived, facing the end bravely and surrounded by people who loved him. Ali rarely cried, but she did that night. She and her mum held each other and sobbed. She had never known her mother, and had never needed to mourn her. She thought she'd met her once, but it must have been a dream. However, her father had been present her entire life and now he was just, gone. It felt like her entire world stopped turning for a few days. Then slowly, it started again. Now, it was a little easier to breathe and her world continued on, never the same, but still going. Chimes rang out from her computer and she wondered who was calling. Maybe it was her aunt, they hadn't really spoken much since her father passed. Aunt Amethyst was quite an accomplished author now. Ali's adventures had sold millions of copies and had been made into a TV movie. Now she wrote for a more mature audience, her last spy novel being quite the page-turner. She lived in Empire City now with enough money to travel to see her Aunt Peridot and Aunt Lapis every so often on the West Coast. They hadn't planned on ending up there until for some reason, Peridot had been left in control of a large tech company when the owner and CEO passed away. The only thing Ali had been told was that the lady had no biological children but had considered. Peridot a daughter. She'd taken over after retiring from the Navy, turned it into Larson Enterprises and now had more money than she or Lapis knew what to do with. Ali sat down at the computer and answered the call, watching as her cousin's face appeared on screen. Hi Crystal. Hey, Crystal said with a smile. How is it? How is the baby? Doing good. And how are you, she asked, her voice holding compassion. I'm okay. Mum came by the other day and dropped off a box of things that used to belong to my mother. Like what? Photos, journals, letters. The strangest thing was the orange tank top, she could have sworn she'd seen it before. I plan to really go through it later and see if I can't get to know her through these things. How is college? Hard. Finals are coming up, but I think I'll do okay. Crystal squinted at the screen. Do you ever wear makeup? Ali shook her head, noticing that her cousin's eye makeup was impeccably done, her lids shaded with green that matched her hijab. Not very often, definitely not when I have a one-month-old to take care of. Wow, one month already. Hard to believe, I know. She heard a tiny cry from over the baby monitor. Gotta go. Yeah, but call me later, definitely. The baby is usually down for the night by seven my time. Allie waved goodbye and ended the call. Her baby's fussiness turned into a full-blown cry as she entered the nursery. She picked him up and rocked him gently. Shoo, no reason to cry. He had been the first boy born in the family in a couple of generations and everyone had rejoiced at his arrival. You'll have to think of a good name for him, her grandmother told her. Something strong and special. Ali stroked his hair as she calmed him down. No reason to cry, Mama's here, 
Jasper. The End